The Bible tells us, and uh, God created uh, the heavens and the earth, and then He said, let us create man. He said, let us create man or um, make man in our image. What was He saying there? When God created you, when He created me, He, uh, he made within our DNA the very virtues of God. When he said, I'm going to make man in my image and after my likeness, he was making us, or making, as he made us up, our DNA, he made us with, to be vessels of his values or his virtues. And that's something for us to stop and think. Now, when we talk about virtue, virtue, Mr. Webster says, that virtues are effective power or a, a, or a force. A virtue is an effective power or force. And when we talk using that effective power and force, in light of, uh, of uh, the word virtue, it means to be an effective power or force to heal. To heal. And so we see here, as we read uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, something had happened in the earth, and the earth uh, had been uh, 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 turned over or upset, or something had, been, something had taken place in the earth that was not of God. We can see it here. We know it was here, and we know as we go into it and you study theology and, you know, all of this stuff. They talk about Satan falling and him being put on the earth and him bringing chaos to God's creation. And that's uh, supposedly, that, that's what they call the gap between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It's a long story. We're not going there today. This is Friday, you know. That's maybe a subject we take up on Monday and talk about it all week. But anyway... Uh, it's uh, uh, what it may, what they're saying is something happened uh, when Satan was cast out to the earth. He, he he really messed this earth up. It wasn't what God created. It was chaos. It was a mess. And so then God said, "Let us make man in our image." In other words, God, when He created us, uh, He when He made our our DNA, our divine nature assignment. That's what DNA is. He put within us. His virtues. God put within us His virtues. He didn't make a virtues for us that were separate from His, but when we're in His image and in His likeness, He put within us His virtues or His effective power or force to heal what had been disturbed. And so that's, that's the thing you have to understand. Now with that in mind, you must understand that when God sent you to this earth from heaven, and all of us were, we were created by God, but God sent us we, uh, from Himself to this earth. When we were born into this world, into this earth, we came, uh, we came with our DNA already made up of the virtues of God in us. That virtue, that, that effective power or force to heal 
was in us when we were born into this world. You came to this earth to heal. And I want you to get hold of this. I want you to see this. That's why Satan's fighting you is because you were assigned the, the, uh, the job of bringing healing to the earth. Hallelujah. And so immediately that should give us uh, encouragement as to what we're doing here. And every day of our life, we are to bring healing to every circumstance, every situation that we face. No matter what it is, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what uh, the, the chaos might be or the tragedy might be, we have been sent here by God with His virtues in us that we're to bring healing to that situation or that event. Now, this, um, this opens up something else. Uh, it answers questions of some people. Why is it, Lord, as a Christian, it seems like things are not working out for me? Why is it, Lord, that, uh, you know, here I am, I'm your child, I'm born again, I love you, and it seems like everywhere I go, there's nothing but chaos. There's nothing but uh, uh, tragedy. There's just one thing after another, trouble, people. Why is it that when I uh, go to work or where I, wherever I'm at, people uh, uh, want to talk to me about their problem? Lord, when do I get a break here? Well, when you get to heaven, because that's what you're doing here on the earth. God sent you here to heal the problem. So when, you, when he tells you to go to the other side in a ship and all of a sudden you get in the middle of the ocean and there's a storm, just lift your hands and rejoice. Why? Because you've been sent here to heal. Yeah, you're, you're the one that God has put here to take care of that storm. So don't feel like you're a loser. Don't feel like you failed. Don't feel like you've come up short when you find yourself in the midst of a chaotic circumstance, a situation. Just remember now what you're learning today that from Genesis chapter 1, God sent you here to heal that situation. He didn't, sit you, he didn't put you in the middle of it so he could feel sorry for you and do it for you. That's what we think a lot of times. All of a sudden we find out, Lord, you know, I'm serving you. I'm living for you. And God, I'm in the middle of this. God, you got to help me. No, you missed the whole point. God let you get right where you're at right now so you can heal the circumstance. So you can heal the situation. He put you here to do it. Hallelujah. Jesus came... Because God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to redeem us. But in the midst of all that, everywhere He went, He had to face hell. Every day of Jesus' three and a half years of ministry was nothing more than hell. It was just pure hell. What you think about that? Every day of Jesus' ministry, three and a half years, was nothing. Every day was hell. But he understood why he was here. Yes, he came to redeem. Yes, he came to save you. Yes, he came to restore you. But in the midst of that, he also knew that he came to heal. He came to heal the circumstance and situation. When other people would give up and other people were frustrated and other people were angry, Jesus would walk into that situation, a situation nobody else would touch. But he would walk in the middle of it. Why? Because he knew that he was sent by the Father 
to bring healing. That, my friend, is where you and I are at today. That is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, yes, to give the message of salvation, give the message of redemption, give the message of reconciliation. But we must never forget that the purpose of Abundant Living Ministries in Pembroke Pines, Florida, is to bring healing to any circumstance, any situation, any problem that faces this community. We're here to bring healing to them. And I want you to get hold of that. You're not waiting for God to bring healing. He sent you. And he wants you to heal. And I want you to get hold of that. The, 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 the man of God, he was, he was preaching and he saw uh, things uh, going on. And the Bible said, and he healed them. Somebody go, whoa, wait a minute, I thought only God heals. Well, you don't understand. Because when you were created, your DNA, you had the virtues of God in you. So therefore, we can heal the sick. If you can believe that, and the person that's sick and afflicted, if they'll just... As Peter said to the blind man sitting at the crippled man that was there, and what was Acts chapter 3, he said, look on us. If you can get them to look on you as healing, hallelujah, glory to God. All you got to do is say, look on me, look on me, look on me. I have the DNA of Almighty God. I, I, I have the virtue of God on the inside of me. And that virtue is an effective power of force to bring healing to you. If you will look on me as who I am, I am an instrument of healing. I will speak the word to you and you will be healed. Glory to God. I mean, it's going to be exciting. Some of you are going to walk out of here today, listen to what I say, and before, before the sun goes down, you're going to heal somebody. Somebody's going to get healed. You're going to walk right in the middle of chaos. Well, don't you just grab, you know, grab your mask and run. Don't back off because God puts you right in the middle of that. Hello, hello, there's an aisle on, on there's a, a spill on aisle three. Go to aisle three as quick as you can get there. Glory to God, because somebody's going to receive the healing power of Almighty God. That spill would have never taken place. If you were in that store, it would have never happened on aisle number three if you hadn't have been in that store and you're there for that very reason. I don't care if you have to run all the way across from aisle 12, get to aisle three, because God's getting ready to heal somebody and He's going to use you to do it. See, it gets exciting, it gets exciting. See, we have this, we have the virtues of God, this, 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 this effective power and force within us to, to heal. Now, with that in mind, as we look at this virtue, we, we, we know that there's a number of virtues that God, virtues that God created in us when he, when he made us and sent us to this earth, we know that uh, uh, we know about the virtue of, of, of love. We, we have heard a lot about the virtue of faith. We've heard a lot about uh, the virtue of righteousness. We've, had a, a, we've studied about the, the virtue of peace. That's all in us. But there, there, there are two, two virtues in us that we, that we have overlooked. 
and that's what I want to talk to you about a little while today, is the virtues, the two more, it, it, it's beyond love and faith and righteousness and peace. There are two other virtues that I want us to look at. Now, go back to look at Genesis 1 again in verse, I want you to see this in verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the air, and over the fowl, uh, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the all earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. See, now look now in verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Here it is. Here's a virtue that I, I want you to get hold of it. The virtue of dominion. The virtue of dominion. Let's, let's, hold, our, let's hold our thought there. But go over there to, to Psalms, I think Psalms 8, I believe it is. I'll show you this a minute. Psalms, Psalms chapter 8. Hallelujah. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lord the angels, and hath crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. You understand, God made man to have dominion. This virtue was in you when you were made by God, when you were sent to this earth, a sign-planted earth, Within you was this virtue called dominion. See, we have to realize that. That word, that, that word dominion, when we study a little bit, um, that dominion, it, it mean, it's, it's might. Uh, the word dominion uh, carries with it uh, the idea of heavy-handed rule. Dominion, might, heavy-handed rule rule. And so we know that one of the virtues you and I have is this, this virtue called dominion. It is, it is might. It is heavy-handed rule. Within you, when you were made and you were sent, God put within you that dominion that everywhere you go, you can use that virtue of dominion, that heavy-handed rule to take over any given situation, any given event. You gotta learn that with dominion, God expects you to be heavy handed. Oh, hallelujah. We're not here to, you know, have and you know, just a little old weak, wimpy touch. I want you to think about that. God didn't send you here to just little wimpy touch just to pat somebody no 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 he sent you here with this virtue of dominion it's a heavy-handed rule satan is not impressed by your little pat your effeminate touch i want you to get hold of that right now christians don't understand this the church doesn't understand it 
We have played the game too long with the enemy of Almighty God. It's almost like we're careful and we don't want to hurt him. No. When God sent you to this earth, he, had, he put that virtue of dominion and it is heavy handed rule. You rule with an iron hand. You rule with a heavy hand. That is the might of God. Get hold of this. Somebody said, well, I don't want to do that. I don't, oh, you're never going to beat the enemy. You're never going to defeat the enemy. For God so loved the world and, and, and the world's going to hell. So you're not going to give them that little, little caress, that little touch and everything. No, no, no. You have to have a heavy hand. The enemy of God respects nothing but a heavy hand. You might as well get used to it, church. If not, you're going to be beat and battered and you're going to be, you know, maybe if you make it to heaven, you're going to go there and all bruised and scarred. No, no, no. You've got to be heavy handed. Now that goes against what the modern day church teaches. They want people to come in there and they want to be relevant and they want to be loving and they don't want to give anything that's going to upset anybody and, and we just want you to come in and enjoy. And uh, no, man, there's some guy behind a pulpit getting his jollies off. When you walk in that pulpit, you walk in with a heavy hand. When you have an opportunity to speak as a Christian, you move in there with a heavy hand. I don't care what the world's looking for. God expects you to have a heavy hand when he sends you into a world of chaos and confusion and frustration and anxiety. There's no reasoning with the devil. He has no wisdom. You can't reason with the devil. You have to use a heavy hand and rule the devil. There's no redeem, redemption in the devil, friend. He's going to split hell. He's going to be in hell for eternity. You can't redeem the devil. You have to have him. You have to grab him. You have to grab his demons with an iron hand, with a heavy hand, with the might of Almighty God. That's why the angel said to give you, said, Thou mighty man of valor said, you're not going to handle this by just sitting over here just being a little wimp. Oh, I'm of the weakest, smallest tribe. I'm just weak. And, you know, we've never, we don't have a history. We're not fighters. We're a lover. You lying rascal. You, you, you are a mighty man. You're going to have to learn to use your might, boy. We got a, we got a war to win. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. See, we have to have a we have a we have dominion. This virtue. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ in his in his earthly ministry here. You have to realize Jesus Christ, everywhere he went, he took dominion. Jesus took dominion. Everywhere he went. He took dominion over sickness. He took dominion over blindness. He took dominion over deafness. He took dominion over dumbness. He took dominion over, over death. Everywhere he went, he had to take dominion. He knew it. He couldn't go on there and, and just, just play with No, 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 no. When Jesus walked into a circumstance situation, he took dominion. He had a heavy hand about him. Everywhere he went. And that is the only way you're going to defeat the enemies of God. You've got to have a heavy 
hand. This is, this, this is what this word's all about, people. This, this mamby-pamby gospel has got to get out of the church. This thing's got to leave the church. The church's going to have to get, get heavy-handed. We, we, we can't get mad at those ball players for taking a knee on the field when the church has taken a knee ever since this thing started. And it wasn't a knee to God either. It wasn't in prayer either. It was a knee to, of surrender to the, to the powers of this world. And the church has got to stop doing that. She's got to be heavy-handed about it. When the prophets of old would walk in before the king, they didn't go in wimpy. They went in with a heavy hand, boy. When Daniel walked into Belshazzar's room, he went in heavy-handed. Think about that. Some of you are sitting right here, right now. You've been in this church for how many years and your family is going to hell. You know why? Because you've handled them like a wimp. You didn't want to upset them. You didn't want to frustrate them. You love them. You care about them. You're going to love them into the kingdom. You are lying. You ain't loving no. Jesus don't love you into the kingdom. For God so loved the world and, 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 and hell's full of the world. Better get hold of this. You, the church, we got to wise up here. Your loved ones are going to hell if you don't take a heavy hand, if you don't take a heavy rule, if you don't lay down the word of Almighty God and lay, lay down the absolutes of the word of God. Your loved ones are going to hell. You've tried your way and it has not worked. Not a one of them are saved. Not going, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Ain't going to happen. No, 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 no. When they try to give you an argument, you shut them up right then with a heavy hand. You shut up. You don't care if you make them so mad, they storm out the door. It's like the parent. You know, you, we let, I've seen that happen over and over again now. And especially in this day we live in, it just provokes me beyond anything. You'll have, you'll have wimpy parents and you'll have a child and the child's only five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And that parent will say, and that child will throw a fit. And I'm saying, well, take off your belt and spank their rear. And they like, oh, God, I don't believe in that. I'll never, oh. Well, you keep it up and you see what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to raise them in the church. Yeah, this church has a history of your kids being in this church until they turn 16 years old and then we don't see them again. Oh, yeah, you, you, may, you kept them in church till they turned 16, 17, and then all of a sudden we don't see them no more. You know why? Because you didn't have a heavy hand with them. Because you played games with them. You didn't want to upset them. You didn't want to hurt them. You were scared you are going to run them away. No, 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 no. Let them storm out of the house. Where are they going to go? Go read the story Jesus gave it, the prodigal son. He took everything he had with him. Ended up losing it all. Come dragging back to the Father. Hallelujah. Everybody lift your right hand and say, the bishop's on one today. 
I'm tired of your kids going to hell. I'm tired of you showing up every Sunday and every Wednesday night. Oh, how I love Jesus and all that stuff. And then your kid ain't even here. Where's your child at? Where they at? Well, you know, they got their own life. You know, they, they're teenagers now. That's a bunch of junk. That means you're a wimpy parent. That means you're not living the life that God wants you to live. Train up a child the way they go, and when they're older, they're not apart from it. Now, it's time you get it together, parents. It's time you get it together, grandparents. It's time your child knows if they don't get right with God, they're going to hell, and they're not going on mama's coattails. You can't pray them into the kingdom. Ooh. You can't pray your child into the kingdom. Your child has to have a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can pray to you drop dead praying, but that kid ain't going to get saved until they have an encounter with the Almighty God. And the Almighty God has a heavy hand. The Almighty God says, believe on my son or you're going to burn in hell. That's, the, that's it right there. There's no more. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. There's no discussion. If you don't believe on Jesus, you're going to burn in hell. Do we have to understand that? That's dominion. That is a virtue. That is that, that effective power and force to heal. And it's there. It's there. See? Now, I realize when this is be over, boy, there's going to be a lot of talk. There's going to be a lot of controversy. And there's going to be a lot of people that I love and they love me and they're in this church, but they don't agree with me, what I've said up to now. They don't agree one bit. Well, where's your, where's your family? Where's your loved ones? Why aren't they in this church? Well, uh, yeah, you, you said it right there, see. If you rule with a heavy hand, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household shall be saved. It's time the church stops being wimpy. People are going to hell. and The unfortunate thing, a lot of them are our blood kin. It's time we do something about it. Dominion, dominion. Jesus, everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he took dominion. He had, he had everything he did. See? Hallelujah. Now, the second virtue, the second virtue that many times we overlook is a virtue called joy. Joy, J-O-Y, joy. And while dominion is might, joy is strength. See, we know that. We look over there. If you go over to Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 through 12, Nehemiah's there. He's the governor, and he brings in Ezra the prophet and the scribe, and, and Ezra's teaching, and he passes it on to his other teachers. And Ezra... Ezra gives a big class, a large, I want you to think about this if you're an educator, know anything about education. Ezra is the one that's giving this, this large symposium or he's giving this and he passes it out to his under teachers and his teachers go throughout all the people and they teach the word of the Lord. This is what's going on. 
And the Bible said, when the people understood the word of the Lord and what was taking place, because they had been so intermingled with the world. They had intermingled. They had married with. They, they, they were in business with. They, they, and when the word of God came forth, the word of God came forth, the people recognized how they had failed, how they had come up short. And the Bible said when that happened, they began to do what was popular in that day to show uh, 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 their, their displeasure or to show their sorrow. They, they would cry. It was an natural thing. You go in any, any negative situation and they, it was a, in their culture, they cry. They just boo-hoo, cry. Uh, they, they mourn. They care. And, and so when the word came forth, the only way they know how to express themselves is, is really seeing now through the word that they have missed. And a lot of them were ignorant. They didn't know. They'd never been taught. And so they were, they were crying. They were weeping. And all of a sudden, uh, here in Nehemiah, Ezra, he turns to them and said, wait, stop it. Stop it right now. And he said, you're not going to change things with your crying. Oh, how many times I've seen that. I've been in the store, I've been in places, and the parents there and the child can't get their way, and so they start crying at the top of their lungs. They're screaming. They're and I thought, somebody needs to use a heavy hand on that child. But I've seen parents over and over when that happens, that child just screaming and hollering. They just do anything. They just cave right in and give them anything they want here just to stop them from screaming. And that's why the child does it. The child carries on because he knows the parent's going to give in and give their way. Spoiled parent. Victimized child. That's what that is. You've got a spoiled parent, you have a victimized child. No, 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 it don't work that way. That child's going to have to learn that they're not going to get anything by crying. Don't you get that? A lot of Christians, they carry that over when they become adults and they're Christians. They come to church. They think they can get anything from God by just sitting there crying. They think, boy, if I can just cry, God's going to feel sorry for me and give me. No, no, no. That don't move God. That's not going to move God at all. You don't get it by crying. It's this virtue called joy. Ezra said to him, said, shut up your crying and start rejoicing. Start partying. Eat the fat. Eat the sweet. Those that are not here and not ready, send them part of it. Engage them in joy. My God, I want you to get hold of the church. Has got to, they got, you're going to walk into situations where everybody you see are, are oh, it's just so bad. It's terrible. Oh, my God, it's just terrible. You got to shut up and tell them a joke. You know what? I have upset more good people because I, one of the things that I upset them sometimes because even at a funeral, I'll tell a joke. Hey, did you hear this one about? How dare you? Don't you know it's a time for mourning? No, it's not a time for mourning. I've got a virtue on the inside of me, a virtue of joy. There's no place for my mourning. I'm going to fill with the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord, he said, is my strength. 
Hallelujah. It's not how loud I can cry or how long I can cry. It's the biggest joy that I can come up with. It's, a, it's whatever. Man, think on these things. Whatever. Th what, think of that. When you get in the middle of the most tragic event, think of the funniest thing you've ever seen or heard and start laughing about it. I'll never forget, I think it was standing right now, wasn't here, it was others. I'll never forget a precious man of God, precious man of God. I'll never forget that long as I lived. Somebody had died over here, and I was standing there talking, and all of a sudden, I just started laughing again. He looked at me, and, and he was, a, he was a, a retired preacher, and he said to me, he said, well, what are you doing? That's, that's, that's horrible. Why would you? This is a time to mourn. I said, are you kidding What's all this morning going to do? It ain't bringing nobody back to life. You think you can cry loud enough it's going to come back? You, you think you can sit there and mourn? What, what good is that going to be? Man, tell a joke and move on. I'm trying to help you. The church, the day for mourning of the church has got to be turned into joy. You know, you, you might weep for a night, but joy comes in the morning. you got to understand, when you face the day, you can't face it with the weeping of the night. You have to face it with the joy of the morning. You never go into a day with the weeping of a night. You're always going through the day with the joy of the morning. Don't ever make the mistake of walking out in the morning and going to work with weeping. Man, I'd call in and say, I can't be there today. I'd take a day off before I'm going in there if I can't go in with joy. Hallelujah. Now, we're in a world, everywhere we go, my wife and I, everywhere we go, I don't, I, it doesn't make no difference with this, where you go to Publix or you go to whatever supermarket you go to, and you go to all these places and you go to the mall, you go to the restaurant, you go everywhere you go. Even, even if you go to the doctor's office, it's all doom and gloom. My doctor's so scared you can't even get an appointment. You have to go online and on the computer or on the thing here. It's all virtual now. Have you notice that? I just had to sign up for all that stuff. You don't get a doctor's appointment. It saves me $20 copay, but I mean, you know. <laughs> now it's all by your phone, computer. Doom and gloom. Oh, what's wrong? No, no, no. Hey, here's what I want you to do. Try it for 30 days. If you don't believe me, just try it. Just try it. You can go back to wimp, just crying all you want to. Just try it. Go out and buy it. Go to the store or somewhere that they sell and buy you a joke book. <laughs> and learn a few jokes. And no matter what, somebody, oh, God, I think I got it. Oh, I've been tested. Oh, God, I'm waiting for my report. It takes two weeks. I don't know if I got it. I've got the chills. I've got this. Just start, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold it right there. I, I, got, I just read. Listen to this. I heard the greatest joke. Listen to this joke. What do you think about it? Sneeze your way to laugh. You know what I mean? Do something. Make up something funny. Do something funny. Get them to laugh. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is a virtue. The church is here to make the world laugh. Not cry. Not mourn. We are here to bring laughter. 
Hallelujah. It said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Dominion is might in the hand. Joy is strength. Write this down. Dominion is might in the hand. Joy is strength in the arm. Get over that. Hey. Look at Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1. Some of you people have been coming here for years, and I, I, I very few times have ever seen you laugh. I've never seen you laugh. I've never seen you smile, most of it. Most of the time, you always come in with a solemn look on your face. You just go look around and see what's wrong. You ever seen people come to church like that? When they walk in the door, you can tell from the moment they walk in the door and they come sit down. They're looking to see what's wrong. You can tell. You can tell by the countenance on her face. That one don't have on a mask. That preacher, he's not preaching with a mask. Well, it's kind of hard to preach with a mask. Something's wrong. You see how close they are? This is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. People in church sitting there and got one of them duck masks on. <laughs> look, like a, look like one of them ducks, you know. <laughs> so what? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I do that now with people. I go in other places. They say things, they say, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I don't a bit more know what they're saying or nothing. I can't understand. But they don't know what I'm saying either because I got my mask on. It's funny. You got to learn to laugh. It's your strength. Turn to the person beside and say, You're the funniest thing I've seen all day. <laughs> Well, if they're not, make up something funny about them. <laughs> Find something funny about them. Let's laugh at them. See, you're the funniest looking. So one ear is higher than the other. Look at you. Look at them. You ever notice one people who got a long earlobe and a short earlobe? You know what I mean? Look at their nose. Look at their nose. If they don't have a mask on, one nose holds bigger than the other. Something like that. You know, boy, their eyes cocked or something like that. Find out. Ha, ha, look at you. One eyebrow's up. What eyebrow said it. Boy, you messed up with your makeup today. <laughs> you are the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. You know what I mean? Anyway. There's an anointing here, people. You just don't realize it. Because once you understand the virtue of Almighty God, there's an anointing in the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. But in Luke chapter 1, see, in Luke chapter 1, verse 49, And he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him. From generation to generation, he hath shown strength with his arm. Mind is in the hand, strength is in the arm. Now, when we understand this, we realize, let me lay it out for you, the life of God, when you're born again, <clears throat> when you're born again, God expects you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. When you get born again, God expects you to receive the infilling of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You don't hold back. He not only saves you, He not only forgives you, He not only redeems you, but He, he expects you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit of God that brings joy, that brings us to you. It is the Spirit of God that brings dominion to you. It is the Spirit of God, watch this closely, the Spirit of God, the first thing the Spirit of God does is bring power to your heart. Power is in the heart, strength is in the arm, and might is in the hand. It is the same life, it is the same energy, but it starts out by the Holy Spirit as power in your heart. It goes to strengthen your arm, and it comes to might in your hand. You have to realize that. So we have dominion, might in our hand. We have joy, strength in our arm. And we have power in our heart. We have to have these virtues operating within us at all times. For with these virtues, we are going to stop the advance of the enemies of God. The enemies that are coming against the church. Why? Because the enemy knows the church has these virtues that they do not have. For instance, you take this, we were talking about this virtue, this joy, the strength. Do you realize, you do understand, and let's see if I can put it this way. Let's see if we can get it right. We live in such a wacko world. One of the, um, one of the most, uh, I think, um, enjoyed things. I remember, I don't hear much for them now. Don't hear much about them now. But used to, and they would contact us, and they would be somewhere. It was the, the African Children's Choir. Anybody remember that? They had African children. African children would come over and they would sing. And, I mean, it was brilliant. It was great. And those little, those little African kids, and I think about the poverty that they had, they had come from, from, from their nation, from their country, whichever one it was, the poverty they were in, the, 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 the tragedy and all that was there, but yet they would bring them and, and you could see them. The whole choir. And those kids would be there, <clears throat> and there was such a joy in those kids. I mean, we're talking about joy. We're talking about joy in them. And out of all that poverty, out of all, some of them had, didn't know anything about uh, prosperity or success as far as we think of it here in the Western world. But they had come, and there was such a joy. And I, I used to marvel. I'd listen to them. And their harmonies and everything. How, how, I mean, it was just... It was just beautiful to see the joy of the Lord in these little African children. And I was praying and I was thinking of the day. And all of a sudden it hit me. With all his money, the wealthiest man in the world, with all his money, he and his wife do not have the joy of one little African child who knows Jesus. He would give anything. He and his wife would give it all 
to have one moment of the joy that little African boy or girl has because they know Jesus. They would give it all. They want that joy so bad. They don't have that joy. They are doing everything they can. They can't. They can't find it. Why? Because that joy can only come from Jesus. You have to realize that. You have to realize that. The also, what we're seeing today is people who are doing everything they can for dominion. They're doing everything they can for dominion. Every, everybody all in it. They want to dominate. They, they, they want dominion. They're, they're going to great extent. And, 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 and the... the the, the harm that they're doing to this earth, the harm that they're doing to, to the people of the world because they want, all they want is dominion. But they'll never have it. You know why? Because God put it in the church. The dominion that they're wanting, the dominion that they're hurting the world for, the dominion that they're after with all that they have, they can't have. Because that dominion God has assigned to the church. People we rule. The church has dominion. The church has the mightiest hand that is on the face of this earth. The church has the mighty hand. The church has the strongest arm. There's no political group. There's no... No, 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 no politician. There's nothing that has the strength. There's no government. There's no constitution. There's no, no, no law that is as strong as the arm of the church. There is no power, no principality that even can come close to the power that God has put in his church. Get hold of that, people. We have virtues people are dying for, but they can't get it because God has assigned it to the church. You ought to thank God that you're a part of his church. Stand to your feet. I want you to hold up your Bible. I want you to hold up your Bible. I want you to say this with me as the church. With the wisdom of the word, the might of the hand, the strength of the arm, the power of the spirit, I declare victory over the enemies of the church. Our Father is pleased. The Son is proud, the Spirit is proliferated, and the church is triumphant. Amen. 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 You have within you now, as the church, you have within you the virtues that from Almighty God, His virtues, not man's virtues, his virtues are within you, and through it, through it, you can succeed, you can prosper, you can triumph. 
no matter what you're going to face today, don't forget what I've taught you this morning. You are the church. You have these virtues. And you're going to go out and heal someone today. Amen? Praise God. I just want to share that with you. And I want you to take it, take it to heart. I want you to use it. Remember now, you have to be heavy-handed against the devil. Have to be. You got to learn to laugh at tragedy. Everywhere you go, laugh at the tragedy, laugh at the chaos, rule with a heavy hand wherever you go because today you're going to heal somebody. You're going to bring healing to a circumstance, a situation. You're going to bring healing to a family. You're going to bring healing to a, an office. You're going to bring healing to some environment that's caught up in the chaos of whatever the devil's doing. You're going to bring healing today. You're the most powerful force that all creation knows. You are the church. Father, I thank you for your people. I bless them as I send them forth. Lord, I was happy to see them come into this place because I knew that I was going to share the word. But Lord, I'm even happier they're, now, they're leaving because God, they're going to go heal somebody. They're going to bring healing to this world today. I give you praise. I honor you, my Father. And I send them forth to do your bidding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you for being here today. God bless you, those that are watching. Thank you for staying with us. I hope you weren't trying to watch me while you're riding down the road. Oh, no. But anyway, God bless you. We look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow night, Saturday. Uh, look forward to seeing you Sunday and bring your family. Don't let them give you an excuse. Be heavy-handed about it. Say, look, you're going to church. You're under my roof. You're going to my church. You've got to be heavy-handed about it. Oh, they might whine or run off. They'll come back. Where are they going to go? I mean, they're 35, 40 years old. They ain't got no place to live. They don't even have a job. Let them run off. They'll come home. They'll come home. You know, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, we're going to receive our tithing offering. We're going to sow our seed. Don't you run out here without sowing a seed. Come on here, man. You don't go to a restaurant and eat and then just walk out and not pay the bill. Come on here. This costs. This is, this is, this is valuable stuff. Come on here. Don't you, don't you try to run out without paying the bills now. Come on. Praise God. If you have a time, you have an offering, you have a seed, you welcome, you bring it, you give it. Those of you that are watching online, hey, it ain't free. Nothing's free. You don't want nothing cheap. What I gave you today will change your life and the life of people around you. Send in that tithe. Send in that offering. Send in that seed. Whichever way you choose. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Amen.